calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. This week's episode has a trigger warning for potentially upsetting subject matter. Check the show notes at www.bitchesoncomics.com to find out more. Welcome to Bitches on Comics. I'm your host, Essie Flinor. Hello, I am Sarah Century, and today we have a very special guest with us, Stephanie Williams. Welcome back to the pod, Stephanie. Hey, I'm so happy to be here because I just knew that you all knew that I was going to want to talk about <laughs> this character because she's near and dear to my heart. So the moment um, Essie was like, hey, you want to come talk about this character? I said immediately. I'm like, I even wrote out notes. Like the old fashioned. <laughs> I'm so prepared. Oh man, you know, it's just it's it's always exciting to have you on the pod, obviously. You are brilliant and delightful, which is my favorite combination. You're also hysterical. A little icing on the cake, if you will. Today we're gonna talk a little bit about a little bit. We're gonna talk entirely about <laughs> Monica Rambeau. But first, Steph, I, I hear you have some fun updates for us. I wanna hear from you. I do. So um, my Twitter handle is still there, hopefully, but it got suspended briefly because <laughs> Twitter doesn't like fun. Um, so like I had like a bunch of DMCA takedowns from the little videos that I do. It's like, you know, the artists, they're benefiting from this. And also these clips, they're also benefiting from it. Everyone's winning. Folks are going to go watch X-Men, TAS. Batman, all of that. So leave me alone. But anyway, I'm back at Steph underscore I underscore Will. And hopefully by the time you listen to this episode, my Monica Rambeau story is out in Marvel Voices Legacy. And I'm really excited for you all to read it because it is very much Stephanie. I did not, what people like to say, like, um, you know, change because corporate came knocking. No, I said, you all came here for a reason. So I'm going to give you that reason. So I gave them exactly what they asked for. Hell yes. And I actually think it's going to come out next week. So actually, listener, you still have time probably to get it on your pull list. So go talk to your local comic book store. Say, hello, dear comic book store. You are my friends. Please give me Marvel Voices number one featuring Stephanie Williams, among others. And then you'll get to read the story. It's really fun, y'all. 
I can't wait. It's Monica based, right? But you also it's, bring in some of your faves like Thor and She-Hulk. Is that right? Yes. And Monica's mom is there. They're at the supermarket. Things are happening. It's ultra relatable. So, you know, I, again, they gave me two pages and I said, well, let me make sure I leave my mark so that one, hopefully you all call me again. But if you never do, folks will be like, hey, why did you never call Stephanie Williams back? <laughs> and then you could show them the comic. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'm excited. I I feel like uh, superheroes need the sort of love and enthusiasm you bring. There's so much interesting conversation around superheroes these days. And so I'm pumped to see someone who knows them well and loves them getting, you know, right there in the thick of things. So I'm excited. Thank you. So we are talking about the incredible Monica Rambeau, who I feel like is on everyone's minds right now because of WandaVision, which is exciting. Yes. And now we've got Steph's comic coming out, which is just, I am so ready for like the new hordes, masses of people who's screaming Monica Rambeau's name. That's what I vision for the future because that's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. We need it. Yeah. We need it. Overdue. So, okay. Steph, Sarah, you all have been reading comics for fucking ever. Tell me about Monica. How did you meet her? What made you love her? And then, you know, we'll go from there into talking about some of the older representations as well, of course. So, yeah, I'll go first. Um, (laughs) Because it's funny. um, My first introduction to Monica was actually through Next Wave, which I feel completely different about after. (laughs) What? I didn't know that. That was my first introduction to Monica. Oh, wow. Yeah. Sarah's like, boo, boo, boo. Oh, wow. <laughs> but, so, color me, like, imagine my surprise when I actually went back uh, to get, like, really acquainted with Monica Rambeau through her origin story and Amazing Spider-Man Annual 16 and then her time with the Avengers. And then when I worked my way back to Next Wave, I said, now, what is this? Like, I get it. <laughs> Please put your tweets away. I know. I know the next wave is like a soft continuity situation and, um, you know, it's just a different take on superheroes. It's the boys without the boys. Um, and like that, that whole, like, these are heroes, but they're also very cranky and irritable and they probably won't save you, but they will do it begrudgingly and they're sarcastic and all of those things. Like, I get it, but even still, I would like to argue that it still wasn't true to Monica's character. Like for Boom Boom and Elsa Bloodstone, like I can see it kind of fit them. But for Monica, it was just kind of very far left. And I said, no. And then I got to Marvel Divas and I wanted to throw up. (laughs) Yeah. Marvel Divas, which as we were preparing to talk on air, we realized isn't, let me quote, an homage to Sex and the City. <laughs> Who, who's asking for that? Who was like, you know what is missing from my life? An homage to Sex and the City with superheroes where they use gay men like little pawns. That's what I miss. No, I don't like it. <laughs> oh, God, I can't believe it. Oh, that pitch meeting, wow. Woo, yeah. And like still written by men. Yeah, yeah. They did that a lot back then. There was like the witches series and like all of those series that were like girl stuff. And it was like, and here is the male creative team that is bringing it to you. You know who has real insight into women's experiences? These weirdly horny dudes. (laughs) 
for sure. Self-insert motherfuckers. Oh my god. Uh, okay, Sarah. So where where did you meet Monica? In a much better place. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the place that I met Monica was uh, just reading old issues of the Avengers. I remember getting kind of like a mismatched box of comics at a certain point that were from that era. And so there was a bunch of good old weird Marvel stuff happening. But the best part was I was introduced to Monica and Janet Van Dyne, both right around the same time. And I love both of them equally. And also that's what I know She-Hulk from. A lot of people talk about like John Burns run and stuff. And I'm just like, no, I know her from when she was not written by John Burns. <laughs> <laughs> I know her from this cool era where she like goes to bat for Monica and becomes good friends with her. It was very mismatched. So I would have only read, I believe it was uh, maybe the issue where uh, She-Hulk stands up for Monica to Thor, right? Because I think Thor's like, oh, I guess I'll just be leader because I'm the guy or whatever. And then like She-Hulk's just like, no, Monica's the leader or whatever. I don't remember the specifics of that scene. I do because I'm very weird in yes. Avenger 279. Thank you. I would have guessed right around there. Yeah. But yeah, it was so good. I loved her and I loved everything about her and wanted to learn more. And then like years passed <laughs> before I saw her again. Well, yeah, I mean, she was uh, the leader of the Avengers. She was a, a major feature in many things. And then from 1990 to like 2005, she was just showing up in pinch hitting roles. Yeah. She was doing nothing major. And it was just, I don't know, she just constantly feels like this underutilized character in the later comics, not back in the, the heyday. Mm-hmm. One thing I'll say is I was thinking about this because I was like, what is a positive thing that I would say about Next Wave? I actually really like her uniform in Next Wave. Right. Yeah, it's nice. You can't go wrong with a trench coat. <laughs> I mean, she always looks amazing. Yeah. Like, even when she's got those weird wing things, I'm like, yes. I don't know what they do, but I think they look amazing. <laughs> I approve of Well, she, you know, because she flies. I'm like, like okay, you want to look fluttery in the wind? I'm, I'm with it. I'm here I'm for here it. I'm here for it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. So now, Steph, you've gone back and, and, I mean, obviously you said that. You went back and read a bunch of the Avengers appearances. What do you think are some of your favorite moments of, for her in the Avengers? Oh, my God. I have a list. Um, so hold tight. <laughs> We have to mention, we have to talk about just briefly Amazing Spider-Man Annual 16 because that is her debut and it is one of the best Marvel origin stories that I've ever read and actually one of the best comic origin stories to me, period, um, because of just the way that things go down. Like Mm -hmm. you have this woman who um, is being slighted at work. How is that not relatable? And after that happens, she meets this uh, scientist who's no friend of a family member. Gotta love that. And he asks for her help and she agrees to help because that's what Monica does. And she saves the day without any power. She smashes with her bare hands this um, like energy generator or whatever it is and gets her powers. And by the end of the um, story, like you come to realize, or at least I hope you do, that Monica Rambeau, regardless of whatever her title is, like she's going to be the person to get the job done and be the team player that you like you want to have like this is the person that you want on a team of other folks where you're supposed to be working together to save the day like this is exactly who you want yeah 100 percent. i think that monica is such a good leader and whenever she steps into her leadership role in avengers it just gets so so good 
One of the things I really love about Monica and I'm enjoying seeing in WandaVision is that I do feel like she leads with so much empathy. And I mean, yes, in like a leadership role, but I actually mean like in everything she does. She comes from such a place of wanting to care about other people. And so like the idea that she would smash something with her bare hands to save the day is like, yes, of course, Monica would do that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What else would Monica do? (laughs) (laughs) No, and like it makes so much sense. And I think that is why I've been loving this depiction of Monica that we're getting in WandaVision because someone did their homework. Like someone didn't just read Next Wave and Marvel Divas and then decide to write Monica (laughs) because that would be like terrible and Less good, I, would, yeah. <laughs> I would have all the bad things to say but like someone right. actually went back and was like okay so like what makes this character you know who she is and like why do people love her and we're getting that like we're seeing that the writer's room like they spend time with Monica in her early Avengers run and got it because she definitely is someone who leads with empathy and not to her detriment on top of that. Like, I just want to stress that, you know, Monica's going to help, but it's not going to be in a way that is going to, um, I don't like take away from her character, if that makes sense. Like a lot of times we'll see black characters used as fodder to like move along the story for this white character, but that's not what's happening in WandaVision. I'm very grateful for that because unfortunately that's a little bit of what we got or a lot of bit of what we got in Captain Marvel with her mom, um, Maria Rambo and Carol Danvers, which I also hope they correct in Captain Marvel too. Right. Isn't it's Nia DaCosta is going to direct it. Right. Mm -hmm. That's what I heard. And I'm just like, what, dude? Like, (laughs) that that is going to be great. I can't wait for that. Uh, That is going to rule. Yeah. I'm like, so, so so hyped for that already. (laughs) But also, oh, my God. Yeah. Monica in WandaVision is so incredible. Like, I loved it. And whenever she comes into the show, it gets so, so good. Like, whenever you see her and she's like, oh, I'm uh, Geraldine. (laughs) That part was, like, already pretty funny. And then I don't know how much we should spoil this, but, like, she gets returned to reality time. And the episode where that happens, I think it just gets so, so good because it's, like, the Monica focus episode so it's so nice to see her under focus again because when we talk about the original adventure stuff that she was appearing in i really don't think she's had that much of a chance to make that appearance since then (laughs) and like she hasn't had that same presence in marvel this entire time so it's just like seeing her on the tv series is like thank god well, and she's so funny in it, and I think... She is, yeah. She's such yeah. a funny character, I, I think. I think Monica has a really funny way of looking at things, and so, you know, she just calls it like she sees it. And in Next Wave and in Marvel Divas, I, I almost see that perverted might be an overstatement, but twisted, <laughs> certainly, yeah. and used where she becomes vindictive and simple. Yeah, those, those two things. And haughty, you know, which is like fucking uh, white people making black characters haughty is like, oh my God, have you never seen anything? Like, if you've never seen a single thing and know that you just shouldn't do that? Oh, I should. I won't. Well, I mean, and this isn't necessarily a spoiler for WandaVision, but I feel like a lot of stuff that they do is very meta because there was a point where uh, director Tyler Edgelord is like, hey, which one of you is, you know, the sassy best friend? And my ears perked up in that moment because I was like, okay, I see what you all are doing and I really appreciate it because 
you know, that's a dig at, you know, you've got these two women here. So which one is going to be more important and which one is going to be relegated to just a sassy friend like we often see in all forms of media, but definitely in comics and especially for, um, you know, Black characters where it's just like, yeah, I'm here to, you know, put my fist on my hip and, you know, tell you what you're not going to do, Mr. Man and all that bullshit. But Monica is so brave in WandaVision the way that she's like struggling with the choice to return Mm -hmm. because it scares her so much. Oh my God. Yeah. Once again, I'm just going to stop because I don't want to spoil the show, but it's just really good. And seeing the way that she interacts with Wanda, I think is amazing. I've loved that part of it because she's definitely reaching out, but also is like, don't do that again. (laughs) Right. And yes, it makes sense. Yes. It makes sense for her character on top of that. Like there's historic receipts, so to speak, of Monica, like helping Wanda and also Vision. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think towards the end of the this uh, episode, we should definitely get into some spoilers. But I think in that moment, what also stood out to me was, you know, Darcy calls Hayward on his bullshit. Mm-hmm. And then he immediately tries to put her in her place and make her feel small. And then Monica is like, oh, hell no, she's with me. And that's when he says that that sassy friend moment. And then yeah. I love that Wu is the one who steps up for them. Yes. I, honestly, I'm like, that. those three people right there are actually modeling a lot of what I think a lot of us are looking for in how we actually work together against mm-hmm. white men. <laughs> No, I like, totally agree. Who are abusing their power, to be fair, not all of them. Eh, not all white men. Eh, question mark. <laughs> um, <laughs> It's so quick, too. It's like a really rapid pace moment in the episode. And and it speaks volumes. I think you're right, Steph. It's a nod to how black women and women have been treated. It's a nod to how this person is trying to divide them and make them feel small. And mm-hmm. I love that Monica's like, oh, no, no. Like, I know exactly who I am. Like, it doesn't matter that I was gone for five years. I know who I am and you don't impress me. And oh, my God, when he brings up her mom, I'm like, I would have cut him. I would have jumped across that table and like stabbed him. I wanted, like, I saw red and I'm just like, you, I hope that you sincerely regret that by the time this series is over. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I don't know who's going to be the one to give you the payback, but please know that all the seeds that you are sowing right now, you are going to reap. Oh, yeah. You are not going to like it. Okay, well, so, you know, we'll we'll get into some WandaVision spoilers in a little bit because I think we can't help it. And None of the three of us have talked about it yet, so I can't wait. But, Steph, I'm, I'm curious for you, when you think of who Monica is, in addition to her empathy, what do you think are some of the defining features of what makes Monica, like, how do, when you're reading a story, when are you like, oh, this is Monica, oh, this is a weird take on Monica? Like, what's the difference there? Like, she knows what she's doing. Um, even when she first joins the Avengers, um, of course, like anyone who is starting someone something new is like, one, wants to do her best to prove that, hey, I should be here. And then two, it's just effortlessly good at what she does. Like, again, this is why I'm just like, no matter the name, Monica is like Captain Marvel um, or just amazing because she just does things so effortlessly and so fearlessly. And that's what I think of every time I think of this character, someone who not only wants to to do right, but also wants to make sure that the people around her and also 
I don't want to say the villains, but the people around her are also like taking care of themselves because there is a moment in, what is it, Avengers 233, where there's this force field that goes up randomly and no one can get through it. The vision phases through it and it knocks him unconscious. And so Wanda's, of course, freaking out because she can't get to her husband. And um, Monica talks to Star Fox, who suggests to her uh, because she's still learning her powers. It's like, OK, you can turn into like any kind of electromagnetic um, frequency. Right. So why don't you do this thing? And it wasn't like a mansplaining moment. It was just a, hey, let's figure this out. So they do, and she slingshots herself around the sun and turns into like a gamma ray laser beam and destroys the force field. So that's great. It's solved. But the part that really stood out to me is that, you know, of course, Wanda is still concerned because Vision is unconscious and like Monica's there. Like Monica is there for Wanda, just like, yo. I have always like been like enamored with you and like really thought highly of you, but I'm here as a friend now. And like, you don't have to be alone because that's a lot of Wanda's bag with this feeling of being alone. Um, and Wanda and also Janet are just like, Hey girl, we're here for you. You know, you're, we'll, we'll get through this vision. will be fine. But in the meantime, like we're here. And I just, I love that because she did a superpower hero thing, but then at the very same time, was just there for her teammate um, when she needed her there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the early Avengers, her dynamic with a lot of the other characters is so, so good. I love her and Janet being friends. I like the way that Janet is such an outgoing personality and Monica is a little bit more reserved. Yeah. Because that team up is always just fun for me. Like the outgoing person with like the person who's a little bit more introverted. Always fun to watch. And uh, yeah, she's good friends with She-Hulk in it. And the way that the other Avengers are kind of, they don't think that she can hack it in the beginning. And outwardly, she doesn't show anything about that. She's just like, no, I think that we should hear them out and like <laughs> let's everybody <laughs> say their piece. That was one of the big benefits to me of reading that Avengers run is like we see her in her thoughts all of the time. Like she's a major part of that story as the leader of the Avengers. And so she has this inner monologue where she is constantly questioning herself. And every time somebody criticizes her, she's like, is that true? Am I that? Mm -hmm. Am I able to do this? And then she just always kind of has to go back to like, there's people here that support me and I have to go forward, you know, and like all yes. of that. And I feel like that to me is something that stands out a lot about Monica. And I think that we see that too in WandaVision is part of the thing that they nail with this character is, is that you see her processing and not necessarily being reactionary, right? Like mm -hmm. she listens to people even when she doesn't like what they're saying. And then she acts when she has to. And so those are all things that I think really do indicate that like they must have read those old Avengers <laughs> stories because like that's where she's like that. And that's kind of even now the best Monica arc. I could not agree more. Y'all are making me cry. Oh my Ugh. God. It's just so I just, good. She's so amazing. She's so amazing. Like, even in her worst representations, when I see her, I feel something, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, I yeah. feel something when I read Monica because she's so human despite her superhuman abilities. And she's so willing to meet people where they are mm -hmm. to an extent, which I like. 
<laughs> I like that she's like, uh. And no then more. she's very no, no bullshit. <laughs> and like the no bullshit part yes, is the part yes. that you love too, because it's yes. like she'll let people go so far. And then she's like, all right. Big Taurus energy, if I may. Yeah. I think like, she's a Taurus. Because <laughs> like in Avengers um, 282 through 284, there's this whole story with Hercules and Zeus and them and Attack on Olympus. Mm-hmm. And in this, it's really funny because Zeus comes in and he's like angry. And like there's Captain America, She-Hulk. I think the Black Knight is there. Neymar's there. <laughs> the most volatile of all right. of the Avengers teams. Like the one that's the very worst. Like we must always emphasize that Monica inherited the worst, most bratty Avengers team ever. Sorry. She, she did. Because no, like <laughs> I even forgot like Thor is there too. So like you're absolutely right. Like she gets the like the loose cannons. Um, yeah. But she holds it down because Zeus comes in and like he like hits everybody with a thunderbolt and Monica <laughs> is the one that have enough sense like I'm just going to transfer myself into energy so that I am not laid out and like Cap gets his legs broken so then Neymar takes Cap's shield which is like okay y'all I guess I don't know how you're <laughs> gonna get out of this situation and then in the next issue I think it's 283 like Zeus is still hot. Um, Hercules is under some influence and Thor is fighting Zeus and getting beat. Uh, but of course still holding his own because he's still a god. And uh, Monica steps forth because Thor is under a tree now and like her head is held high, her chest is puffed up and she's like, yo, Zeus, enough of this. I'm not really sure what you're trying to prove, but I'm tired we're all tired. You're like, you're really doing the most. Like, I'm going to take you out now. So Thor, while he's under this tree branch, is like, hey, this is no place for a mere mortal. And Monica's like, anyway, Zeus, I hit you with something before, but I didn't hit you hard enough. So let me hit you with this other, like, a massive amount of energy. And she does. Mm-hmm. And she actually hurts Zeus. And um, Thor finally gets up from underneath the tree and is like, okay, Monica, you've done enough. You've fought enough. And it's just kind of like, but what did you do? Yeah, like, what did you do, <laughs> Thor? Thor, person who's trying to just like step casually into leadership of the Avengers after Monica right. is like cleaning it up. But it's just, and then like Neymar came, comes into the whole thing and he actually ends up getting beat up by Zeus. So it's just a really Mm -hmm. cool moment because here she is standing up to this literal guy and she's like, hey, I'm tired of you beating my friends up. So I'm here to fix this because I took it easy on you before and now I'm going to give you all I got. And she does give all she has. It's just not enough because it's Zeus. But I mean, it just says a lot about her character and how she's been written and why I don't understand how she's written currently. Cause mm-hmm. like that is a moment is Zeus. Yeah. And of course there's the workplace aggression <laughs> from mm-hmm. Dr. Druid through that oh entire run. He's so awful. Oh man. And he like gaslights her so bad and like turns all of the Avengers against her because he thinks he should be the leader. So like the whole time he's just harboring like the most, hostile work environment possible 
And yet she still does a great job. Like she still makes it through. So even with all of those extra doubts on top of this guy literally trying to like mentally manipulate her, what a jerk that guy was. I think he died. And I think he's like one of the characters where Marvel's like, it's fine. Just, just let, him, so let him be dead. Let him be dead. Yeah, just leave him gone. I don't even think I ever read another story with that guy in it, but I don't like him after that. It's those doctors. Those doctor something. You got to be careful around them. Uh, I've been trying to think about like, what is the thing that makes me cry when I think about Monica? Because I do. I just like can't handle it. And I think it's, she goes through so much shit that we can all relate to. I was just talking to a friend yesterday about being in a workplace and, and, and the constant aggression and negging and blaming and the way that like men who can abuse their power do. And, and I'm like, oh, damn, you know, my one of my favorite superheroes goes through that. Like, yeah, that's pretty relatable, you know, like to see her still find herself. And and I wouldn't even say like claim her power, like create power for herself, you know, yeah. in the face of of no power. That is to me just a incredibly inspiring. And when she leaves the Avengers, right, like it's important to know as well that she is completely drained of energy and has to go like live with her parents for like a year. Yeah, because uh, what is it? Um... Namor's wife uh, turns into Marina. A, Marina turns into a, a Leviathan. Yes, that <laughs> thing. Um, and like Monica, pretty much is the reason why they're able to take her out. And I love that her parents are the ones that like the Avengers knew to call her parents because right. I don't know how we haven't talked about this, but they're so important to her character as well because they are an amazing support system like they support her in her um superhero endeavors and they're there for her and like even when cap asks her to like you know leave the avengers she goes to talk to them about that and the meeting and what happened and they're just so supportive because they're just like hey if cap thinks you can do it we think you can do it. So, you know, mm. you got this or whatever. So they're there to pick her up and take her home and nurse her back to health. So when she comes back in Dwayne McDuffie's one shot of Captain Marvel, which I think came out in 89, I'm pretty sure it did. That story is amazing because again, it shows that Monica Rambeau is going to be who she is, no matter what the code name, whether she has her powers or not. Similar to the storm in that regard, because She's working, I think, a cruise ship or something like that. And it gets taken over by some guys that are very terrible. I think they go by Pride, but I could be lying. They murder people. They murder the crew. And she's there to save the rest of the passengers. And she takes them out. Um, she doesn't have her powers. And she takes out this um, big giant guy called Powder Keg without her powers as well. And she actually ends up getting her powers back towards the tail end of this fight but she had already handled things without her powers which I just I don't know like I always kind of love that when you can see someone still be heroic regardless because it's just who they are and they just want to you know keep people safe as best they can mm -hmm. yeah it's always like questionable whenever you see especially like women characters in general be depowered in any mm -hmm. way but then it's like that is a good example of where it's like no this is just kind of establishing why she's such a badass so right this is really good different vibe entirely totally and it it you want her to have powers you're like this is the person who should have powers right <laughs> like mm -hmm. she's gonna help me and everyone else like <laughs> this is good yeah i yeah i mean i think you're right sarah it's it's depowering is always a, a sensitive conversation when it comes to women because it's a form of fridging yeah but 
you know, it's it's nice to see someone who who isn't getting that because they're being punished right. by the creators. It doesn't, I, and tell me if I'm wrong here, but it doesn't seem, it's an instance of her being punished for something, you know, being yeah. too too powerful, which, you know, is like Wonder Woman's whole thing. Oh, she's too powerful. Let's, right. let's give her a comic <laughs> now to she's Steve. she's studying martial arts <laughs> and like owns her own boutique or whatever because it's 1974. Um, yeah, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> They they punish her in other ways though. Yeah, with her name. Mm-hmm. Yes, the name thing is wild. You know, for what? Um, <laughs> let's get into the name stuff. And um, listeners, I have let bitches on comics know that I have like my, my little list of Monica <laughs> Rambeau stories that I would suggest that you read because there is an omnibus that we're about to talk about that is. I don't know why they put it together because it's really bad, but the name changes. So, um, Monica goes by Captain Marvel all the way up until I believe 96 because then Avengers Unplugged number six happens. And I don't know if this is a thing because there's only been, uh, two women that have gone by Captain Marvel herself and also Carol Danvers. But another thing they share in common and trigger warning, I'm sorry for this, but, um, is sexual assault. Because that also happens to Monica in Unplugged. And it sucks because it's the same issue in which she gives her name to um, Marvel's son, Genesville, because, you know, he was Captain Marvel first or whatever. And because Monica is just such a pure heart, she's like, hey, this is your dad's name. You definitely should have this. So it's yours. I'll go by full time. But that's not the story. The story is actually really gross because Monica is being mind controlled by this villain. and It's called a slave chip. So clearly whoever editors everybody just said whatever and just (laughs) a lot of stuff ride in that issue and um even when she has a moment towards the end of that issue to like take some type of justice for what happened against her um or happened to her or whatever they really plans her empathy in a very terrible way because it's kind of like well no I can see as I look into his eyes that he also is being controlled so Mm. No, I'll just, you know, let him deal with that. I can feel the pain. It's kind of like, well, no, actually, I don't think Monica, I think Monica would probably want to whoop his ass and would. And then, you know, say, I know that you're also going through something, but please catch these hands in the process. (laughs) Yeah. I would agree. I think that like when people display empathy as a weakness, it's like they don't fully understand how empathy works or Mm -hmm. that empathetic people develop a edge of like knowing what behavior endangers other people around them. So like having Monica show empathy to somebody who is hurtful, like it makes sense to that extent, but that that's where it ends is not something that makes sense, right? Right. Because like, uh, I mean, not to bring up WandaVision again, but to bring up WandaVision, Uh like what is going on in that show um, as far as what Wanda is doing or not fully doing herself is all very questionable. And even still, because Monica doesn't have all of the answers yet to questions, she's not villainizing Wanda and I think that's important when it comes to talking about somebody who has empathy because another thing is like you're not going to jump to conclusions until you have all of the information you need to decide 
where you want to stand with this person. And mm-hmm. Monica is still displaying that. In this comic, she had all the information she needed to make a judgment call that I just don't believe would be, oh, he's hurting too, so I'll leave him alone. It's like, no, that I just don't. It just didn't add up. And they don't see how when somebody hurts you, then they're going to hurt somebody else. Like that's like one of the worst parts of surviving assault is knowing that it's not going to end with you. Mm -hmm. And you often don't have anything that you can do about that. Whereas Monica could have definitely beat his ass Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it would have been honestly like even that wouldn't have been a better story because it's just like we just don't want to see this you know right right yeah at all and like there's certainly no need for it to be popping up again in an omnibus that's like a selecting of all of her best stories because it's like I would think that you guys would be a little bit embarrassed about this but like (laughs) yeah instead they're like throwing it right on in and uh, I find that questionable Yeah, you know, I was going to say, I think people really fundamentally misunderstand what it means to be empathetic. People think of empaths as, like, crying a lot. True, I do cry a lot. Uh, (laughs) True. (laughs) As, like, being doormats. And I think that, yes, there is a tendency towards that. But if you're an empathetic person, you have to learn boundaries. It's really important because you have to learn. Yes, (laughs) you have to learn what's yours and what's someone else's. Because it's hard to tell in in your feelings sometimes. And and actually, it's, it's kind of like... You know, the, the the idea that, like, justice is what love looks like in public. I actually think that, like, empathy has that to it, where it's, like, actually, no, to be empathetic to someone, I let them pay for the consequences of their actions. I don't protect people from the fair consequences they have to deal with. And I think that that's just, like, a complete misunderstanding of what an empathetic person would do in that moment. I also feel my feelings very strongly. I don't think I'm going to be like, ah, this person's hurting, too. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's just, you know, one, the story should just have never happened. And then to to have this happen to her and then to have her like give her name up on top of that is just like a double whammy. And I'm like, how are you proud of this? Because this is terrible. And you're right, that's punishing her. You know, like those are the ways that uh, she's punished in in that story. And silence too, because Mm -hmm. then we don't hear anything about it like ever again. So it's just like, well... This and then we get no Marvel reason. divas where oh, it's like, yeah. ladies hanging out to go shopping. Not like, oh, we've all been sexually assaulted. Maybe we would talk about that. But it gets yeah. worse before we get to that because you're right. Um, she gives her name up again to the now Captain Marvel uh, because he couldn't remember that they had this conversation. This happens in uh, New Thunderbolts number nine. Monica just randomly shows up in that. Like, I remember reading that entire series thinking that Monica was in the whole thing. Because, oh, yeah. And she never popped up again before or after. It was very upset. <laughs> anyway, she's there like she's ready to like fight Captain Marvel or Dennis or whatever. And right. they don't fight. Um, there's actually some weird flirting that goes on and they have a drink instead and he's like yeah so I want to go by Photon now and she's like okay but you were there when I said that I was going by Photon and his excuse is well I think I forgot he thought he forgot he didn't just forget he thought he forgot uh. and she's going and she's like rattling off names and she says something something Pulsar and he's like well you know I don't 
really like that for myself. And she's like, well, no, for me. He's like, oh, okay, yeah, that's cool. And then she's just postar. And I'm like, what are we doing right now? Like, are you kidding me? Like, you just brought this character in for this one moment to give her name again to this guy. And like, and to I don't this wanna... guy that sucks. <laughs> like, yes, that character oh, sucks. I... I didn't want to like slander him, but yes, he he sucks so much. <laughs> and his like, like m- I remember him mostly being written by like Peter David. So like slander mm. away, like he annoys <laughs> me badly. And like that whole run, even though it's where we meet Philavelle, like which is rad, and it's I love her, but she is the best part of this the whole series. Like the Captain Marvel series that's all about him is just yeah. like Mm-mm, throw it out, like <laughs> not good, boring. Rick Jones comes back, and he like oh my god, like Moon Dragon and his ex wife Marlo are yeah. dating, and then she's like, but I'm really straight, like the whole time because bisexual <laughs> people don't exist, right? And then uh. Rick Jones comes back and wins her back by playing acoustic guitar and singing like, oh, baby, Marlo. Like, it's so bad. And then Moondragon's like salty as fuck because who wouldn't be salty as fuck to like lose out to Rick Jones with an acoustic guitar? She's like, I'm literally a god? Like, what? Um, So, like, all of that is intense. So that's what I remember from that series. So I'm like, yeah, that guy can fuck right off i hate him i hate that character and i didn't even describe anything that he does specifically but he does fight with philavella a lot which is like be nice to your sister you chump anyway i'm just mad about it um (laughs) so yeah the fact the fact that like monica is not in comics and yet we got that guy for like a 30 issue series is just like all right Ooh. It's so terrible. It's so infuriating. Oh Heavy God. sigh and boo at the same time. <laughs> Pretty much a jinx. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's the deal, right? Monica having such a weird all over the place name is just part of what is kind of depowering her in a way because it's just like, well, she's this character, she's that character, you know, like here's her new name, but like she'll never probably go back to being Captain Marvel, which was when she was the leader of the Avengers. And so like it just becomes part of Marvel just admitting to our faces that they have no idea what to do with this character. And it's just like, maybe it'll improve soon. And it's just like, but there's stuff for you to do with this character. You just don't want to do it. And that's the most infuriating thing about it because Storm kind of has this as well. And even Misty Knight to a degree where like in the Bronze Age, you had an idea of who they were. And you could tell that the writers also had an idea of who they were. And like, were there things that could be improved upon? Of course, because they're written by white men. So of course, there's a ton of stuff that could be improved. But at the core of it, like they are still fully formed characters for the most part like you get like the stuff that makes them tick um their motivations all of that and weird stuff happens in the 90s and they get kind of shuffled and maybe there's a good story here and there but it's not consistent and then we get to the early odds and it's just like even worse stuff happening and then the late later odds because then there is Next Wave, and then there's Marvel Divas, and you can tell that the person who wrote Marvel Divas read Next Wave, and that was their introduction to Monica, and I hate it. 
You can tell that the person <coughs> hates women. <coughs> yes, and this is like I would never ever suggest to someone who's starting off with Monica Rambo to read Next Wave first. Like I want that to be probably the very last thing that you read <laughs> so that when you finally get to that, you understand that um again, I don't need anyone explaining to me like I understand what the take and what was supposed to be accomplished in that comic. I get it. But even still getting to that point, it just doesn't fit her character. Like she's cynical in a way that doesn't make sense. The way that she's cynical in um, Mighty Avengers and Captain America and the Avengers makes a little bit more sense. And you can tell that Al Ewing is like trying to address and help Monica unpack those 12 issues of Next Wave. It does get frustrating, though, because sometimes they kind of switch her to just, like, other Carol Danvers, right? Like, I feel Mm -hmm. like a lot of times you just kind of get that vibe from her where it's like, yeah, she's kind of annoyed with everybody (laughs) over it, which, like, fair enough, you know? If I'm Monica Rambeau, probably I'm a little annoyed with everybody, too. But, like, it just, it doesn't fit her character. I mean, in WandaVision, she's annoyed. But she doesn't come across as like, oh, I'm miniature or younger Captain Marvel, meaning Carol Danvers. Like, she is a person on her own right. What? Never heard of that before. (laughs) And that was my fear. Yeah, I mean, I was terrified going into it. Same. I do want to mention because, well, basically just because I'm gay. But, like, I want to mention that whenever (laughs) Monica looks up, and is like, they're just like, oh, hey, um, so like we could call like Captain Marvel and Monica's just like, we're not talking about her. <laughs> I lived in that moment. Because... I was like, she does owe child support, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> That's the part where I thought it too. <laughs> right. I'm like, I don't know what happened and we'll we'll find out. But it's the old child support and also like. Something happened. There's static there. And I want that to be like, I want it addressed and I want it addressed immediately. But when she gave that little side look and then basically rolled her own credits on Darcy and Jimmy <laughs> and went right to the board and was like, okay, now back to what we were talking about. I and they both are like, oh, damn. <laughs> but like, that's a, but that's a Monica moment though. Like, it that is. is Monica being like very, um, funny because that was funny to me but funny and like (laughs) snippy in a way that is very still true to her character because you know still a little polite but also at the same time like it was boundaries she has boundaries because she's an empath and when you're an empath you learn to have boundaries thank you essie because it's exactly that (laughs) it's exactly that totally i mean she's not gonna let someone manipulate her into doing something she doesn't want to do. She's not going to sit for another set of x-rays. She's not going to let them take more of her blood. Even if she's not quite cognizant of her doubt, you know that the doubt is there then. She knows something's up with Hayward, you know? She's like, this is just not how this goes down, you know? I'm also just like, Carol, how did you let your wife die in a hospital by herself? Like, what is up, Carol? You and your beautiful swooshy hair and so beautiful in your face i'm like i'm kind of wondering um if there's connection there yeah yeah (laughs) yeah monica's just like um not only do you owe me checks like literal checks but also 
a goddamn explanation is what you owe me. Yeah. Yeah. I like to, I saw some people talking about how the specificity of of Carol's rage in Endgame makes a lot more sense when you realize Maria is gone. She's been snapped. I just got chills saying it. Like, I'm I'm very emotional about it. Um, And I was like, that's a great point. Like, I think they've they've done something really, and I think we can get into spoil zone now. So if you have not watched WandaVision, I know we've done some mild spoilers, but I'm I'm taking the the leash off. We're going to go wild. So if you have not seen it, take the time you need away to go watch it and come back (laughs) and join us. Hey everybody, life is hard, right? Like lots going on all the time. Guess what? I'm gonna add one more thing <laughs> to your, <laughs> your enormous pile of things to do, which is if you got a second, please do us a favor, rate and review our podcast. It helps us a whole bunch. If you want to hear more episodes, then that's the way to do it really is just go ahead and click on the five stars, the one that's five. Give us all of the stars. That's the way to do it. You can do that on many platforms. For instance, iTunes, that's one where you can do it. Podchaser. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Podchaser. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if this is like a Podchaser thing for you, if like every week you're on Podchaser listening to bitches on comics, rate and review. Why not? You're just sitting there, right? Boop, boop. Just in general. Just do it in general, you know? Just do it in general. If you get around to it, just do it. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. I think that they've done such a nice job of bringing all these emotional tensions in. And one of the things that I find is so frustrating sometimes in the MCU is how things are like introduced as a big tension and then they're just like dropped because it's like, they don't care anymore. They just, they want to move on. It's time for Ultron. Like we we can't talk about that anymore. We're over here now. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think that's really... It gives such a layered experience where you're like, you're, you know, I rewatched them all after seeing six because I was like, I need to know like what's here. And it's like, like you pointed out, Steph, that moment when Kitty is like 
stop it. You're like, oh, man, that's a whole different feel now. It is. And, like, folks were like, what am I missing? And I'm like, okay, y'all are doing too much. You're not missing anything. But, I mean, if anything, you're just missing the impact of these earlier scenes now that it's, it's the so emotional. To. Yes. And it's, it's so messed up, though, because now you know that that stop it was like her real personality or whatever trying to surface mm-hmm. or whatever mm-hmm. and like her husband is like choking in front of her so it just this show and the way that it is storytelling has just been I don't know like really something for me to like experience and watch because I just love the way that they're doing it um the way that they've incorporated um sitcoms and the very meta takes on sitcoms as well as the Marvel universe on the whole like they're taking jabs like it's kind of reminding me of Harley Quinn in a way that that show um takes jabs at stuff that happens in the DC comics and also like DC comic fans because like I wrote something like in a world full of Tyler Hayward's be a Monica Rambeau because mm-hmm. Tyler is really quick to call uh, Wanda um, a victimizer and she's kind of like, but we don't have all of the information. Is what's happening questionable? <laughs> and that's putting it lightly. Yes. But like, we don't know if this is fully Wanda's doing or if it is like not taking into account everything that has happened to lead up to then. I think that's very important if we're going to talk about transformative justice and understanding what brought this person to this point so that we can apply it to their other rehabilitation. So, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. man, like it's just, it's just really doing a good job. I can't shut up about it. Well, and then the way that, that Monica, you know, is able to name what Wanda is feeling. She's like, it's called grief. Mm-hmm. Grief makes people do really strange things, even things when we're cognizant of it. And when you think of someone with Wanda's abilities, and it's beyond, you know, we're we're sort of teasing out as we get into these later episodes, that it's semi-conscious or it wasn't conscious. And now it's a questionable amount of conscious. And and even in those conversations she has with uh, Quicksilver in, in episode six, where I love that he's like, I'm not judging. I'm impressed. (laughs) All right. That's siblings right there. (laughs) That's cute. Um, But I I think that there's so much power in in Monica's ability to be like, I was terrified. I was hurt. I was was submerged. But I know what was underneath that. And that's something that we call grief. And everyone else is around her. And, and, you know, you'd think if, if half the population had disappeared for five years, you'd think people would be uh, aware of what grief does to people. <laughs> but hey, whatever. Hey, word, you dick. I live with a lot of grief. And I think one of the things people don't realize is grief never goes away. Mm-hmm. You just learn to live with it. And so, you know, my my father passed away like six years ago now and maybe even longer. It might be more like eight now. And uh, I, I still cry. Like, I will just cry because I miss my dad. And I, yeah. I you know, my dog died a, a year and a, uh, some change ago. And I miss my dog. I just cry about him, you know? And and I think I always will. I think those will always be emotions that are that are close to the the surface because grief is is a form of love when it can't be reciprocated anymore. So Monica's coming with all this like empathy and knowledge and personal experience to someone in pain. And she's saying, why are you trying to fight someone in pain? Like, why Why do you think you can beat her? You know, it's like part yeah. of it. Like, if Wanda is our problem, Wanda must be our solution. And when she said that, I was like, drop the mic. 
it works, right? Because um, I think it's very important. And this is why I said that WandaVision is Wanda's Avengers dissembled in House of M, but like the writers actually care about Wanda's trauma, her grief. Mm. And Mm -hmm. it's very much that because no matter how this ends up panning out, whether it's like Wanda's been in full control and she understands what she's doing or she has been manipulated in some way. When Monica said that, it gave Wanda her agency. And I think that's very important. Like you can tell the story without it being like this mad woman who is consumed by grief and can't control herself, but they don't do that. They show that there's this woman who is in immense amounts of grief Um, and she is powerful. And the way that she is dealing with her trauma, you know, if it's her or she's being manipulated in some way, the point is that Wanda is in control. To an extent, and way more than Avengers Disassemble or House of M could ever, you know, lead us to believe. And I just love that because it's going to have to be Wanda. But I think Monica is going to be the person to get us to that point. And I love that because it works for both Wanda and Monica's stories because they're they're great parallels. Like their stories kind of parallel one another. Like there are connections. It makes me think of the movie Fast Color. Um, oh, yes. Yeah. yeah, it's a movie about Black women dealing with trauma. Um, so, of course, they're not the same, but it's still giving me fast color energy because, you know, working through trauma is ugly. Yeah. <laughs> Period. Um, you know, it's no way that you can put it into like this neat Twitter thread or, you know, podcast episode or whatever. Like it is ugly and it does not. Sometimes you still end up losing or things still come out of the wash dirty. And I love that the show is doing a fairly good job so far of towing that line. It's a very thin line because it can go either way. And we've seen it go either way a lot um, by less capable hands. And the fact that Monica in dealing with her grief in turn will be able to help Wanda, I hope. Um, I like the way that they've been connected in that way. I hate that it's so, you know, sad, but also at the same time, like sad shit happens. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how else to put it. Um, it just depends on how you handle it. Part of life. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's totally it, Steph. I think you you've you've said so much so perfectly. I really do like the way their stories are tied. And I like that Monica's story is tied to multiple superheroes Mm -hmm. in the MCU. I think that's a very cool way of bringing her in as this sort of like person empathizing with heroes. And then, you know, I saw those (laughs) x-rays. I know what the fuck's up. I can't wait. So so real quick. (laughs) I had written this piece um, and I'm like, I got like a full on galaxy brain with it. Um, And it was basically talking about how I think that Monica has gotten her powers from going through the hex twice. And then this whole thing where folks were like, well, no, we think that she got her powers beforehand. But I'm like, but how would that make sense? Because you don't know what her scans look like prior. I love that you're just flexing. I love that you're like, hey, I uh, called it. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, that doesn't really make any sense. Like, um, I think she probably got them going in or coming out or whatever. Like, I believe that's when her powers were activated because I feel like maybe this is their way of opening the door. Um, not saying, but like just opening the door for like X-Men and mutants to be mm-hmm, uh, to come about. Mm-hmm. So if Monica ends up being a mutant, I won't necessarily be mad about that as long as she has, you know, her power set. And also they're building her character. So 
Mm-hmm. That also makes me kind of not really care in that regard because, well, she's a, a fully fleshed out character. So however she gets her powers, it's fine with me. But it just doesn't make sense storytelling wise to have her go in the hex and come out the hex and then to have her scans come out blank and to have her blood work show that her DNA is, um, you know, her molecules and everything are being rewritten to just say like, oh, yeah, yeah, she had these powers. She got them sometime. You'll find out in Captain Marvel, too. Like, what sense does that make storytelling It makes wise? no sense at all. No sense at all. Okay, so I'm kind of like, oh, snap. Like, is it going to be that when she goes back in a third time, is that what's going to, like, break the— I don't know. I've just been thinking about it a lot. So how do you feel like it compares to the origin story from Spider-Man 14 or whatever it is? Uh, Very similar. Again, somebody did their homework, and I was very interested in how they would do this because Carol Danvers gets her story beats in that regard in Captain Marvel because she smashes a machine that has all this energy and all of, you know, whatever. So there is Marvel team up 142 and 143 that features Monica Rambeau, Spider-Man and Star Fox. And in this issue, Monica is like, I don't know, like, I think she's off work. She's at a museum and like some pride is in this for sure. They're very terrible. And I hate that they have that name because it's just not fair. But Pride is trying to steal something called a windstone because this doctor who is kind of like Thanos in the way that he feels that if we get rid of half the people, then we'll have more resources. It's just kind of like, no, you could just double the resources, maybe. I don't know. But anyway, this machine generates the same. Yeah, talk about like a lack of critical fucking thinking. Okay, I have to. I have to. This I, Every time I watch it. Infinity Wars, this is how I feel. And I'm just like, do you know the reason we don't have enough resources? Billionaires. Billionaires. Billionaires are why we don't have enough resources for everyone. It's a fucked up argument. It makes no sense. Fuck you, Thanos. (laughs) So back to this real quick. Um, This energy disruptor is just like the one that Monica destroyed. And we find out how Monica's powers work. And when she turns herself into energy, her physical form is then transported to another dimension, like an energy plane. And Spider-Man is there actually being helpful for real by kind of theorizing this. And this is how he and Star Fox are able to help her because she's stuck in her um, energy form after Spider-Man doesn't actually destroy the generator. It just goes into another dimension, but she can't like revert back into her physical form. So saying all of this, that energy generator or whatever also harbored like some cosmic microwave background radiation. I have that all together, CMBR. (laughs) And that's what the hex is giving us. So that is why- Oh, damn. Oh, damn. So that's why I believe that Monica does get her powers from this force field or energy field that Wanda has put up because it functions in a very similar fashion to the um, energy generators that Monica has been in contact with that has given her powers and also interfered with them. So I had a real big like moment as I was writing. I felt like a mad woman as I was writing. I was like, oh my God, this makes sense. And also to point out that it's hard to like break into the energy field um, unless Monica like lets you in. So in that regard, um, that's another reason why I felt like um, Monica would be the key to also helping Wanda and Vision because... I spoke about this earlier. Monica actually destroys an energy field that no one can actually get through 
by shattering, um, like, you know, destroying it or whatever. But I think from the previews, we see that whatever space engineer they called up, like, put together something so they can enter it back without, you know, feeling the effects of the hex. But I think it's all very cool because clearly someone has been reading, like, these older comics and, like, coming up with different ways to, like, you know, retell the story. Chills. Chills. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. I'm so glad they gave Monica not just a, a small role or a two-bit role. She's so important to what happens in WandaVision, you know? And and it's so exciting to see her given some damn due, finally, <laughs> in this modern era. Like, we're actually seeing her do some really cool shit. We've talked briefly about Next Wave and, and Divas, and I think so much of what they do that is so frustrating for me, and I think this is true for both of you, so tell me where I'm wrong, is that they flatten Monica. They flatten all the characters, and mm-hmm. and they, you know, try to make them what they're trying to make, if that makes sense. So like, I want to do a sex in the city, so I'm going to make Monica into whatever, you know, just like, why is this happening? Why? And it's exciting (laughs) to see. I just remembered sex in the city, Marvel divas. So funny. (laughs) Go ahead. Sorry. Just like, who's asking for that? The thing is, is that if you wanted to do like this superhero team that is similar to Sex in a City, then get characters that fit those characters, right? right? Exactly. Because and let them have some sex on the page. Yes. And, <laughs> and they kind of have, like, let Monica do that a little bit. But then they make um, Brother Voodoo, like, this creep. And I didn't like that because, Mm-mm. like, that's not really Brother Voodoo's bag either. No. And Monica's constantly has these thought bubbles that are just bullshit. Like, she's like, the first thing she thinks when her friend is diagnosed with cancer is like, what if I get it? And I just, I don't see that as Monica's first thought. Would it occur to her somewhere down the line? Maybe, probably, definitely. But her first thought? No, come on. Come on. It just wouldn't be that. And I feel like her first thought would be like, how can I fix this? (laughs) Yes, it, it really honestly would be that. And again, like, you could, I mean question mark but like in theory you could do a marble team up where you like you know pay homage or whatever to sex in the city but you have to pick characters that kind of fit those characters because with living heroes where i was inspired by living single it works because those characters that i picked also fit the characters from that show so not Mm -hmm. really trying to like force somebody into this role like storm is giving you regime. Oh my yeah, god. Yeah, yeah. Especially <laughs> when it comes to her hair. <laughs> when she's like, I've always had perfect hair. Oh my god, it's so funny. It's regime. And like for yes. Misty Knight for Sinclair, like that still works because I just feel like Sinclair and Misty definitely have more similarities than you could see on the surface because they're still going to tell you the way that it is. But maybe Sinclair is more in a funny way. So like just lean into that. Like Misty can be funny. Yep. Um, for Monica, she's definitely Khadijah. She is um, so Khadijah. For, for like so many reasons. And, um, you know, She-Hulk is definitely eating someone's food and like <gasps> not. Oh so like. It all, but like it all works, and like Sam Wilson as a himbo, I think would benefit that character way more than what's going on with him now. I'm just being honest, Um, but like it works. Like you can do that, but with Marvel divas, like you can tell the person who wrote this really didn't know too much about these characters. They just had an idea. The editor said, "Sure, yeah, we'll figure it out," and they never really. I mean, had they even seen Sex in the City? Like, I just I get like none of that for me worked. Like it doesn't. It was like four women. All right. (laughs) Oh, Sex in the City. 
And they're what? in the city. Yeah. Cause like they oh, even check. have a moment where they consider themselves like, like C list or D list superheroes because there's a moment where Sue Storm, um, Storm, I mean, or Emma Frost. Yeah. Like they all show up and it's just kind of like, oh, well, these A listers are here. So what are we going to do? And I'm like, I just don't, I don't get that vibe. Like that didn't really. How would Storm and, and Monica not be friends? Like, what universe is, I don't know. People also, I feel like, misread Storm a lot. They, like, try and make her, like, a, an ice queen. I'm like, no, that's Emma Frost. Like, come on, pay attention. It's in the name. So the problem with Storm, and Monica, too, suffers from this, and Misty, is that the way that folks view Black women, um, it's either one or the other. Um, so for, like, Storm, she's regal, so she would just lean into all the regalness, and it turns into the ice queen type shit, and it's just not that. Because Storm is someone who, like, Storm lifts blood off of a blade of a knife. So can she be regal? <laughs> yes. But she can also get down and dirty. And she's also someone who is down to go shopping. You know, like, she can be very laid back. Um, Misty yeah. Knight. Yeah, like, she always takes kitty shopping way back in the yes. day. You know, like, that's her one of her favorite things. They just won't let any of the black female characters be complex. They want them nope. to be so one dimensional. So you can be like, oh, Storm is this. This character is this. And it's like, well, she's that. And she's these other 45 things because she's a person. Yes. It's, it's simply that. It's simply like, please remember that these characters are people, but they never, they, they hardly ever do. Mm-hmm. I think that's part of what makes living heroes so damn delightful everyone's complex and I love the way that all the different characters like interact with each other. I've been doing a big living single rewatch and I'm just like, Oh my God, it's so perfect. <laughs> like the moments when she is just like straight, just exactly Maxine, you know, you're just like, this is one-to-one. -one. These are the same character. It's just like, you know, she has a huge hoagie in her mouth or whatever. And it's just like, you're dying laughing. It made sense. I'm happy that it made sense. Because if it didn't, like, I never would have, you know, written it or whatever. And I think that's another thing. I'm pretty sure, like, that person was like, yeah, Sex in the City, Marvel uh, characters, this will be amazing. And the women who pick up comics will absolutely love this. And it's like, no, you couldn't have been further from the truth. Because they yeah. are still marketing to men for the most mm -hmm. part, right? Even in, like, 2009, like, they're still just like okay, well, this is for women, but, like, she's definitely going to be wearing, like, a corset the whole time, right? <laughs> and it's just like, cool. Well, maybe it's not for women. I mean, I'm just going out on a limb. It's so frustrating. And that's why now when I saw that omnibus for um, Monica Rambeau and, like, I actually went through the stories. So there are two Marvel, um, I think it's Marvel Fanfare. And I think that's it 42 and I'm getting 43. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And in those, um, <laughs> I love how Dracula and the Marvel universe is like equal opportunity when it comes to someone's neck. Like he's, <laughs> like, <laughs> he and is I, though. He is because he and Monica, he, like Monica has an interaction with Dracula and like Dracula wants Monica to stay and like bites her neck and all this other stuff. But that's actually a pretty fun story because um, it takes place in New Orleans. And then there's another story, which isn't too fun. And there's a victim of the time. And it's basically mm -hmm. also in New Orleans. It takes place and Monica like saves this young woman who is a junkie from committing suicide. Um, 
in another podcast episode, but like we got to talk about how the big two, because DC was someone who perpetrator. did this, the perpetrator, <laughs> I should say, of doing this. If we were to borrow WandaVision, a victimizer. Yeah, a victimizer in utilizing their Black characters to like do these messages. Mm-hmm. Very special messages. Yeah, 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 yeah. very special episode. It's just kind of, but in the way that it, they do, it's very disingenuous too. Mm-hmm. Um, so it doesn't work out at all. Mm-hmm. It's actually very annoying. Because there is a message that Monica has in her second one-shot um, the Captain Marvel one shot that came out in 94, where they're talking about racism. The Sons of Serpents are there, but the whole vibe is still cool because it's very still true to her character and it doesn't feel so ham fisted in a way where it's kind of like, okay, someone was like, hey, we got to do this thing because bad stuff's happening and like we don't want to be left out on having commentary on that. So let's do this thing, but very much still in line with her story because mm-hmm. it just happens like Punisher turned black for four issues so that they could go to Chicago with Luke Cage and talk about crack mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're just perpetrating harmful myths like mm-hmm. that's always how it is they're not actually examining the issue but they're just like have you noticed it's bad right and it's yeah just they like, never talk yeah. about the antecedents there's no like oh yeah. how did any of this begin it's just like look at this individual with their individual responsibility yeah and if only they could have made the right choices everything would have been fine and it's just like well all right that's not yeah. true but <laughs> yeah. right. right so one of the, my entree points into comics is absolutely kelly sudukonic's captain marvel run there's a pretty big moment where Monica comes in there. Captain Marvel's on her, like, tour of being a bad, angry bitch, which is fun. It's from volume one, so I don't know what issue exactly it is, but Monica is somewhere investigating something and they run into each other. And what happens in the moment is it's a lot of Monica saying, like, Carol, you just, like, took my name. What's funny, though, is she doesn't just come out and say it. She just goes, okay, Captain Marvel. Okay, Captain Marvel. <laughs> and Carol's like, fuck, Monica, that is annoying, and I am frustrated. And then it, what it comes down to at the end is Monica says, hey, like, I'm. it's fine if you take the name if I'm not using it, but it's kind of like dating an old boyfriend. You should at least give me a phone call. And I want to know what you think of that. So I'm going back and forth about that for like the last, I think since the Captain Marvel movie came out. And I feel differently about it, um, depending on the day. So today, (laughs) (laughs) I'm annoyed by it because um, Monica kind of comes at it in a very passive aggressive way before actually saying what's wrong. And Mm. I don't Mm. think that was actually very fair or true to Monica's character because we just said she's somebody who calls it like she sees it. Mm -hmm. So she isn't someone who would like beat around the bush when it came to that. For Carol to finally be like, you know, yo, what's really going on? Um, I just kind of feel like it would have better served Monica's character to just have her address that head on instead of kind of like that passive aggressive nitpicky thing that she does with her name. Yeah, I see your point. I think in the moment it reads a little bit less passive aggressive because yeah. they're, you know, they're talking about a mission. Yeah. So it's kind of like tangential and they kind of wait till the action's over to have the rest of the conversation. But no, I mean, I think that's a good point. I, I It was one of the moments I think I liked most about Monica because I liked that she was, you know, in, in the Captain Marvel run, I should say, the Kelly Sudakonic Captain Marvel run. I liked that she was so willing to be like 
people are afraid of Carol, you know? Yeah, and I, no, I loved that exactly. Monica wasn't. And I think that's what I was drawn to. But now after our conversation, that's why I wanted to bring it up because I was like, it hits differently, you know, when you really think about who Monica is. And that's the thing, um, because like I said, like I feel differently about it on different days. But the first time I read it, because I wasn't so familiar with Monica's background, it didn't bother me because I felt the same way you mm-hmm. did, actually. But it wasn't until like I read it again after like really getting to know like who Monica is, what makes her tick and all of that, where I was kind of like, ooh, you know, still fine but also like it was still kind of passive aggressive in nature because mm-hmm. um, I'm like I read it again I'm like I didn't feel that at first but now I feel it and no like I'm happy that they addressed it but I'm like it just could have been done just a little better but I mean to an extent like Monica's character is present in the way that she's just like hey cool that you you're using this name but like just hit me up like we've had interactions before so it's not like you've never like we've never spoken right we've been right, on the right, same, right. Like we've been avengers at the same time um you were kind of leaving out the door as i was coming in and then like we've had like our little run-ins or whatever but like you know who i am i know who you are so like call me up mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah i like that what i take to be one of the running themes of, of today's episode is like There are ways to do twists on characters, but you have to really remember who they are. And especially when there's someone who is so underrepresented and misrepresented. If if we don't acknowledge that when we think about who's writing her, like white people need to actually be very careful when writing black characters. I know that hurts some people's feelings. I don't understand why, but I think that it makes sense that we would have to really think about what are all the pieces of Monica and how do we make sure those show up on the page without flattening her or shoving her into these more stereotypical moments. Like they really do make her you know, I, I'm going to come back to it because I hated it so much. In Marvel Divas, she does get this sort of weird, sassy black friend treatment. And it's just mm-hmm. like, no one needs that. No no one no one needs that. Monica is not a sassy black friend. And, you know, that is not who black women are. Like, why is that the only fucking trope? So I, I think it's exciting to talk about Monica. It's exciting to see where she's going in WandaVision. I feel like there's so much potential there. And it's nice that it feels very connected to where she comes from, you know? Yeah, it it does. And again, if you are finding yourself more and more interested in this character, for the love of God, do not read Next Wave first. Do not (laughs) let that be your introduction to Monica Rambeau. Don't let Marvel Divas be your introduction to Monica Rambeau. Like, please, I'm begging. And I know that older comics can scare folks because of just like... It's just their setup is just very different from modern age comics. And like, I get it, but there are some really great Monica moments throughout Avengers from Avengers 227 to Avengers 294. Monica Rambeau is just being flat out amazing in ways that you don't expect for Black characters, but especially a Black woman who is on a team like the Avengers. Like, this is a mainline team. It's not like, you know, the Thunderbolts. Yeah, exactly. She is the leader of the Avengers. Like, what is happening? I think you're right. I think those early issues are really great. So actually, Comic Book Herald has a Monica Rambeau reading order. 
What I'll say is that it's not very evaluative. It's more informational. So it's not going to tell you, oh, in this one, there's a horrific representation. Right. Or, they just do uh, lists. You know, sexual yeah. assault. Right. And that's not, that's not their goal. They're just trying to provide the information. So if you go check that one out, though, and look, they have the Avengers numbers. So between in that big chunk Steph is talking about, they've named like the important ones that she features in to read of those. So if if you're really intimidated, like I think you're right, Steph, people are intimidated by older comics. Like that's a nice soft entry point. So Comic Book Herald has the, the Monica Rambo reading order. And it's really good, y'all. Go check yeah. it out. Yeah, Monica's the best. I mean, I will say one of the things that I think is, is defining about her and tell me where I'm wrong is that she always has a really great costume. You know what? Hands down. Um, and I <laughs> cannot be said for a lot of folks, but for the most part, like Monica's costumes have been on point, mm-hmm. even up into the current one now. Like, I love that she's kept the trench coat because I like, I do like that. I just love a trench coat. I love and a trench coat. If ever I get a chance, I want to write a Marvel comic that is just like the trench coat gang. It would be Monica, Stop. Gambit, um, and I'm missing two other people right now. <laughs> But I just think it'd be fun. I was like, well, Johnny Blaze. <laughs> yes. In the 90s, not really since, but there was like the trench coat phase. Blade a sometimes. Trench coat just like sets off. It just sets yeah. off your outfit, you know? Mm. Trench it coat flows coat. nicely in the wind. Like, Actually, okay, I'm in, I'm in. Monica and Gambit should have had a team up of some sort a long time ago and I don't know how this hasn't happened I actually thought about this briefly before the story actually ended up submitting to Marvel for Marvel Voices Legacy but like I was gonna do a Monica and Gambit like a team up like they ran into each other because they're getting their trench coats steam clean like as the cleaners <laughs> in New Orleans or whatever and I don't know like I'll still try to do that if I can if not then I'll just do it and but what if though but there should have been a Monica and Gambit team up at some point. They're both from Louisiana. Like, just go ahead and do it. Mm-hmm. It would be fun. It's Monica and it's Gambit. Like, you couldn't have two characters who, one, wouldn't normally be in the same space, but, like, to have them play off one another, I think, would work very well because I could see Monica being, like, the straight-laced character to Gambit's more goofy side and... In your deft hands, I would read it. In another person's, I don't think so. Oh, yeah, it would be, be a shit show. For me, Gambit is like about execution. Because <laughs> a lot of Gambit, mm-mm. The writer of Marvel Divas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Like, I have to see what else they've don't written because <laughs> I need to know what else they've done. You guys are like the people who are like, oh, I need to know what else they've written so I can read it. I'm like, I need to know what else they've written so I can avoid it. <laughs> no, I need to see like what <laughs> like what is really going on. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, Steph, this has been an absolute delight. And we get to see, you know, more of Monica in your upcoming comic. Will you go ahead and tell people about it one more time? Yes. Yeah, so uh Marvel Voices Legacy number one will be out on February 24th. Uh, My Monica Rambeau story features her, her mom, She-Hulk, and Thor. They are at a supermarket. It gets a little chaotic. Um, The actual title of it is actually called Panic at the Supermarket because I was listening to (laughs) Panic at the Disco as I wrote the script out. (laughs) And it's just something that I feel like is very relatable um, to folks who shop with their parents from time to time or like just an older family member, period. Because 
it just never, it's never ending. Like it never goes the way that it's supposed to go. And that's just kind of what happens in the story. But there's also a moment between Monica and her mom that I'm just like, no matter what, I'm putting this in here because I need everybody to understand how important her parents are to Mm -hmm. um, just her overall history and why she's able to be as amazing as she is. Mm. I cannot wait. I uh, ordered mine in advance. I'm like, give to me now, please. So I will be reading it very quickly on the 24th and texting you over and over, I'm sure. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today, Steph. It's always a pleasure to have you on, talk about who, what matters to us in comics. And I mean, I think the three of us all love Monica so much. It feels truly incredible to just spend a whole episode talking about her. Any final thoughts, Sarah? Nope, that's going to do it for me. I really like Monica Rambeau. And if you don't know that by the end of this episode, I'm sure that we'll have another episode where I remind you. totally perfect all right Steph thank you Sarah I I love you you're perfect I love everyone in this call okay the end a podcast that is all about making comic books more accessible to LGBTQ folks and women. So if you have a question about anything related to comics, comic adaptations, pop culture in general, conventions, cosplay, you name it, that's what we're here for. You can send us your questions at bitchesoncomics at gmail.com. Unfortunately, Gmail does not like the word bitch. They're pretty judgy about it. So (laughs) we can't have it spelled out. It is B.T.C.H.E.S.O.N.C.O.M.I.C.S. at gmail.com. And do you remember there's no I'm bitch? If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so by rating and reviewing us on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Sarah Century, and you can find me at www.sarahcentury.com and Twitter and Instagram. Still Sarah Century on those. I'm S.E. Fleenor, and you can learn more about me at sefleenor.com. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at at S.E. underscore Fleenor. Bitches on Comics is recorded by Kate Warner, who plays in the band Churchfire. You can find them at churchfiremusic.com. Our music is recorded by Katie Taylor, who plays as Earth Control Pill. You can find her music at earthcontrolpill.bandcamp.com. Bitches on Comics is recorded in Denver, Colorado. We want to recognize the indigenous peoples who have inhabited and do inhabit this land. The Arapaho Nation, the Ute Nation, the Cheyenne Nation, and others who have been erased from our history and collective memories through colonization. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.